Marcus Aurelius said, you could leave life right now, let that determine what you do and say and think. Had a challenging last year with with some personal stuff, with health, and um, you know, Amor Fati to me is basically a love of one's faith. He's not trying to be anything he's not. You know, he, he, could, he could say like some of the meanest shit in the world, you know? So he's like one of those guys that, you know, kind of get away with saying anything just because some people love her, some people hate her. And in my opinion, that means she's doing something right. How many pros can you think of have achieved this? Started playing in 2019, went pro by 2020, earned sponsorships with Franklin and now Selkirk, won the inaugural Major League Pickleball event, and played at the New York Stock Exchange. Don't you ever wonder like what goes on behind the scenes of a professional player that we see on the court? How much of their story do we really know? One of the more outspoken players, Rob Nunry, talks about tour partnerships, his career before pickleball, takes on players, tournaments, and projects he's currently working on. Welcome to another episode of Building Pickleball, where I created this platform to allow folks to dig into different stories within the space of pickleball, the different elements helping grow the sport. And so far it's ranging from founders. And now I'm introducing players. My first guest is Rob Nunnery. Um, Rob began playing professional pickleball by the end of 2020, quickly made his path to the top 10. He's a podcast host. He is one of the few players who played at the exhibition match held at the New York Stock Exchange, was a member of the BLQK team that won the first season of MLP and is now on the Brooklyn Aces. He's a Selkirk-sponsored athlete, formerly out of Austin, Texas, and now living the nomad life. Welcome, Rob Nunnery. That was an, that was an intro. Thank you. I, that was well said. Better than I could have done, I think. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Eddie. Yeah, I was just telling you before we got on. Love, love what you're doing with the with the podcast and kind of exploring the different stories that are going into growing this great sport that you know that's taken the country by storm. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I was trying to copy a little bit off some uh, hot ones or like Tom Bilyeu of Impact Theory. Yeah, I love hot ones. That's a that's a it's such a good show. <laughs> yeah, who's your favorite guest? Oh, hey, uh, man. I liked I liked when well I'm a Gary V guy so I liked when he was on just because and he's also MLP he's got the pickleball tie uh, I liked when Gordon Ramsay was on that was that was pretty good and uh, I don't know I, I there's not there's not an episode where I'm like man that's I just what I love about him is he does such great research uh, into each guest and like every almost every episode the guest is like dude how did you find that tidbit of information like where did you find that like nobody knows that. So yeah, he makes it like very, very seamless. Ah, he's so good. He's such a good host. And I don't know, like, does he come from a different background of like interviewing? I'm trying to, I remember, I remember him talking about what he was in before and it did not feel like it was very relevant to any kind of interviewing or journalism or anything like that, but it, it works for him. He was like a barista at Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was something. Dude, I like I'll that come. jacket. That jacket's legit. Oh, dude. Like a windbreaker? It, man. I can't tell. Is it like a fleece or a windbreaker? Oh, it's more like a windbreaker, but it does not like when I found it, I was like, oh, sweet. Sail rack. This should, it has like kind of the material that I would expect to protect you from rain. Yeah. Not at all. Does not get very no. wet with that jacket, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is great. This is, it actually works perfect in Austin because I'm like it during the summer. I'm like, I want something that's light, but can block the sun because yeah. I just don't want to die of 
heat exhaustion out here. Um, yeah. yeah. And what you're, we were talking about before you're out in Ponte Vedra. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like you mentioned in the intro, I'm pretty, I'm fully nomadic this year. Really. I was living in Hawaii, la- Hawaii last year, left in December because I wanted to play full time. And yeah, so playing full time, um, in between tournaments, I was spending time in Ponte Vedra as well as St. Simon's Island where my mom is. So yeah, just bouncing around, trying to connect with, you know, people that I haven't been able to see since I was in Hawaii for a while and, and yeah, staying connected. Yeah, dude, that's dope. Uh, I'm glad you're the first professional player guest, not that your identity is solely being a professional player, but because you have so many different things that you've done throughout your life. Um, where Kihei, Kihei, Maui? Yeah, Kihei, Kihei. Yep. Kihei. Yep. What drew you to going out to Hawaii? Yeah, it was actually just a pretty sick gig that I got um, at a Discovery Land property. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Discovery Land, but they actually have a, it, it's probably some of the most, you know, high end luxury real estate in the, in the world. They've, they've got, um, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like communities and developments for the uber rich, uh, and successful and it's, it's very private. So, you know, you have pretty, you have celebrity members, billionaire members, there's, there's a property they have in Austin called Driftwood, uh, not too far from where you're at, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I got a pickleball gig out there and did that for a year. Um, and it was good. It was good. It was, uh, like low stress. It was just very far from everything. So if I wanted to continue staying in the pro game, it was, it was going to be very challenging. And I felt like I wanted to get back to the mainland and, and keep pursuing, keep pursuing pickleball, especially with the trajectory of it. And, and, you know, I still think it's, it's got a long ways to go, especially in the pro game. Yeah. That's dope. Did you explore any of the other islands? Like go out to Kauai? I've been to Kauai. I didn't go actually when I was there last year. I went before, but Kauai, yeah, Kauai is great. I've been to uh, the Big Island. I haven't been to Oahu, but yeah. So I've been to, I've been to a few of the islands. It's it's a great place to visit. It's a, it's a difficult place to live if you have responsibilities and aspirations of of things you have to do on the mainland and be at the mainland. Just it's 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 a long trip. I mean, from Hawaii to East Coast where I'm at now. Um, in Ponte Vedra, I mean, you're, you're looking at 12 hour flight time and air. So like if you have a connection, I mean, you're talking, it's a whole, it's a whole experience. So dude, my body can't take that anymore. <laughs> no, it's brutal. I thought like, Oh, you know, it's just, you're sitting on a plane. It won't be that bad, but man, it's that bad. It's, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. I was looking at PPA Red Rock and I was like, why is Rob not? Well, first I was like, how is Rob taking this call on the Friday of uh, gender doubles? And then I looked at the bracket. Yeah. I don't. Do they have a different format for Red Rock? Uh, yeah. So they they with Sunday being Easter, I think they moved everything up a day. So they did singles on Wednesday, mixed Thursday, gender Friday, and I think they're doing championship Saturday instead of championship Sunday. But yeah, I, I didn't play the I didn't play Red Rock. I just played Mesa, and was gonna play Red Rock with Julian. And uh, Tyra Black, new player coming on. And um, yeah, Julian had to pull out. So I just decided, you know, I needed to pull out. And I have, I've got some doctor's appointments and stuff um, starting early next week. So it was going to be really tight if I did play Red Rock regardless. So it just feels good to kind of take a week off and be stationary and, and start taking care of some of the health stuff I need to take care of. 
Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. I didn't know if they had like a different format um, for Red Rock and some, I don't know, like requirement. But God, that's fucking disappointing that you were going to play with Julian and you guys aren't. Um, because when I was watching the, I think, was it Minnesota? Yeah. Dude. That was an awesome performance. That was awesome yeah. to just like watch. You guys have, I don't know if it's just Julian being methodical in who he picks to play with, but like both you and Thomas Wilson just have like awesome styles. It, I don't know if it's that much different, but you, you always see a lot of like volley attacks, but then you have that patented, like just a trademark, just that flick from off the bounce. And then you also have like misdirects. And like inside out shots, your gets were like really good. And I was like, dude, this dude just came back from like a fucking meniscal, medial meniscal tear like a year or so ago. And he's just like doing this. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. My Yeah. In terms of my knee, I think my, my movement and everything feels great. Like I feel, I feel a hundred percent. Legs feel as strong as they ever have. So just taking care of that. Um, yeah. So, so movement wise, everything feels good. Uh, play wise, you know, still, still need to get more reps this year. And yeah, Julian and I, we had, we had kind of an up and down day. We had obviously a good result in that early one against Ignatowicz and, and Colin, but, um, didn't play, didn't play super sharp the rest of the day, but always fun to play with Julian. He always gets amped up. He always is going to fight and want to win. And yeah, just a, just a fantastic partner to have. Yeah. The attacks, just like the constant pressure. It was awesome. It was just like a clinic in and like a showing and just like how to attack and just like being relentless with it. And yeah, it was sick. Um, and you mentioned APP Mesa. You play with Ryler to heart, right? Yeah, I play with Ryler in that one. You've played with so many different people. Like, What, yeah, it, do you look for something in particular? Who's available? <laughs> so the, the oh, issue, the issue coming from uh, there are a couple issues in terms of partnerships. It, well, it, it's a it's a big deal in pro pickleball, really, is logistics, man. Like actually setting up, you know, playing twenty plus tournaments, needing to find not only a men's partner, gender partner, but also a mixed partner um, with a pretty limited mixed field. It's getting larger, but I mean, uh, in terms of women there's, there's the guys are really deep, right? So women have their choice of guy really. Uh, but on the men's side, it's, it's pretty limiting in terms of who's available and especially based on which tour they're playing. So being in Hawaii all of last year, I didn't play as many tournaments and dealing with the health stuff, didn't play as many tournaments as I wanted, had to back out of a few tournaments with partners. And I think, um, you know, doing that and then deciding really in November to come back over to the mainland full time, uh, most most everybody had their partners lined up uh, for the year already, and there's a lot of there's a lot of iffy stuff at the end of the year with uh, the PPA tour cards and the APP tour, and you know what the restrictions were going to be and who was going to play what. So all the way all that stuff shook out was me not signing with the PPA and me just staying open, a free agent to play whatever I want, and. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I am playing more APPs. I'm still playing a handful of PPAs, but it, um, yeah, just being so late in the game, it, it, it made it tough in terms of finding partners and, 
And um, so, yeah, just trying to get the best results I can this year with the partners I have. I'm having a good time playing with them. Ryler was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to play with. And uh, in Mesa, we got fourth. Um, for me in an APP, any, anything but the medal stand, stands, it's a disappointment for me. So, um, you know, we've got to get better in that respect. And yeah, I feel like, I feel like we will. I think we started, our game started to come together a little bit. Um, we had a weird last match against the Johnsons, lost 15-2. But um, before that, we beat Brendan Long and Stefan Overn and, you know, pretty handily. So, and Ryler played great that match. So I think, you know, we have the next two tournaments together. We have the U.S. Open and then we're playing APP Sacramento together. And, um, yeah, I expect us to get better. And then, you know, I've got a handful of different partners throughout the rest of the year. I've got Ed and Lika for some. I've got Andre Diascu for a few. And um, who else do I have? We've got Craig Dow, I think, for another one, who's my MLP teammate. So, yeah, just a big uh, mishmash of partners. I've got you know, on the women's side and the mixed side, I've got Tyra Black for three. I've got Megan Fudge for most of my APPs on the remainder of the year. And I've got Susanna Barr for, uh, I think, New York City APP and also the U.S. Open coming up. So, uh, yeah, exciting to be back, man. But the partner, the partner game is always, always a challenge. Susanna Barr, dude, that fucking glove, man. She's gloves <laughs> wild, man. Gloves she, wild. yeah, I mean, just watching the match yesterday, you're like, dude, she played dude, epic yesterday. A hundred percent, but yeah. uh, she's cool. And I remember seeing her son even at like local tournaments around Austin, uh, Porter yeah. Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, you probably have some hot takes on this, but yeah. like coming from. Not hot takes on Susanna Barr and the glove, but uh, <laughs> coming from – I come from MMA. So in MMA, you have a camp. You have a location. You don't really go out to other places and like you don't have new training partners. You don't have a new coach. You stick with that person who knows you best and you develop different skill sets. And you develop just like your overall growth as yeah. that professional athlete based on who's around you. And – that's not necessarily the same. You've, I think you talked about this in your podcast episode, It Feels Right. And you've talked about this where it's like there's just so much switching of partners. And maybe the Johns could be proof that sticking with one partner is the best. Um, there's Obviously, there's trade-offs. But yeah, like want to get your thoughts on what that's like. Are you and Ryler going to play like more events consistently together? Do you think it's going to be eventually like the future of the sport is, Hey, based out of here, I'm going to team up with people that I can train with on a consistent basis. Yeah. I think, I think that's where it's moving to. I think if you do look at the top, you know, handful of teams call it in the PPA, most of them are the same partners consistently. And I think that is what that is what generates the best results because you have time to gel and understand each other's games. And I still think pickleball is not it's not I think pickleball is still not at the level where you have your partners living in the same place and training together and like legit practicing all the time together and working on set plays and stuff like that. But that is where it's going for sure. Um, and I think we're going to see um, partnerships move to that where you know if you're not. If you're not playing and practicing in the same spot as you're, you're going to be at a disadvantage against teams that are practicing all the time together. So I think that's the where it's that, that's where it's going. It's not there yet, but um, I would imagine, especially as prize money continues to increase and uh, the margins become much slimmer between teams, 
that every little edge is going to matter a lot. And that's, you know, in my eyes, that's an edge that, that will be significant. Given that you're on that, like kind of nomad lifestyles, are you trying to settle into a location where you have a partner that you have in mind or? Uh, for me right now, it's not so much about, uh, I mean, 2023 is like, you're really kind of already locked into partners and set for the year. Right. So it's like, and I'm playing with a handful of different people. So it makes it difficult to kind of be in a location where you're with just that person all the time. So kind of what I'm looking at for 2023 is probably being kind of based in a location where there's the best practice. Because if you look at most people call it in the top 20, they are all in these hotbeds of where all the other top players are, whether it's South Florida, um, where the Johnsons and Ignatowicz and Anna Bright and Anna Lee and that whole group's at, or whether it's Austin, where you have that whole contingency. Um, there's more people going to Dallas, um, a little bit in California. So it's like, you know, you have these hotbeds of practice spots and where players live and you know, it's, it's to, to not be in those locations and being like practicing with those groups. It's a big disadvantage in my opinion. So, um, you know, I could see myself going down to South Florida kind of in between tournaments and, and playing with James and J-Dub and those guys. And I think, you know, when I first came into the sport, it was, you know, coming from a business background, I know that if you want to achieve something, you have to surround yourself with people that have already achieved it. Right. So same in pickleball in terms of playing, like if you want to, if you want to be top tier, you've got to be around top tier players and practicing, practicing with them all the time. And it, it's, you know, it can't be understated. It's I, in my opinion, it's the greatest way to get better at pickleball is by playing with better. People. Yeah. hundred percent. When you're playing in Hawaii, who are you playing with out there? Yeah. Just a buddy named Kelson Lau. He's uh he's like a big wave surfer. Nice guy probably, you know, four or five pickleball player though. So, um, you know, would just drill with him and get touches like that. But yeah, on, on Maui, four or five is kind of the limit. I think, uh, there's some players coming along now, you know, Kelton, buddy Kento, um, had just started playing really when I was leaving, but he's playing more pro events now. So I think, um, you know, it's gotten better, but it's still, yeah, not super high level out there right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a video of Riley Newman out there. Like, I, I don't know which island he was on, but it's pretty cool. If anyone, whoever's listening, watch it on YouTube. It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah, looking forward to you playing with the Johnsons down in Florida. And hopefully you get interviewed by Georgia where she flips her paddle handle and <laughs> asks some real ridiculous questions. Maybe you can adopt uh, J-Dub's cow pants too. God, those things are something else. Yeah. His cow pants, his painter's outfit, his caddy outfit. Like he's a, he's a walking meme. I love it. And he's like oblivious know? to it. Yeah, yeah. That's the best part. Uh, like the other thing is something he did recently. in like one of the past couple of tournaments was like, just, he was doing like these hand motions. Do you know the story behind that? Just an animated guy. I don't know. I don't know. I like, yeah, I saw that and, said like he was on the right side when he should be on the left side and he was malfunctioning or something but short <laughs> short circuiting but yeah he's uh he's he's got a lot of a lot of stuff going on on court you know he usually doesn't have very much extra movement but lately you know he's been flailing a little bit uh was, we're actually gonna have him on the podcast soon him in georgia so i was like 
you know, I don't, I, I think that'll be a good podcast. I'm going to have to be in my A game for that one to get anything good out of them. So, yeah, that dude's like a mannequin, like the way he's just like on the court. He's just like, like you said, just barely any movement. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. I'm looking forward to that episode. Is Rob playing anymore? Oh, Adam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Adam. Uh, Adam is Adam is not playing anymore. He's basically fully retired, just doing commentary, doing a little, maybe a little teaching, not a lot of teaching, uh, but mostly commentary and just the podcast and doing content. So uh, he's and he seems to be pretty happy with it. So I think he he had a lot of we did an episode on it, but he he got a lot of mental. Um, what's the word, you know, playing wasn't great for his mental health. He had a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of health issues that would come up based on that anxiety before matches and before tournaments, um, would get sick in like 60 degree weather and cramp. And, you know, it wasn't always physical. It was, it was a lot of it was stemming from mental and just the anxiety he had, he, he doesn't sleep before tournament days, like all kinds of crazy stuff. So I think for his emotional and mental well being, he's in a much better place just being able to, just being able to talk pickleball, be involved in the sport, uh, more so on the commentary business side of it. And uh, yeah, from from my perspective, I think he's way happier. Good for him. Good for him for like noticing that and push, yeah. not like pushing past what he's feeling. That's a bummer. It's so crazy that when you watch someone doing their activity or sport, you're like, oh, this guy looks so like calm, cool and collected, but there's all these things happening behind the scenes. Never know what somebody's going through, right? You're the co-founder of Five Zero. Yeah, uh, you must have been looking at my LinkedIn. I haven't updated that in a while. But yeah, it was um, yeah. So Five Zero, I left that, or basically sold half of it to my partner in 2018. I was living in San Diego at the time, and uh, decided to get out of that business. It was basically an affiliate marketing business, and then uh, just got burnt out. It was it was kind of like day trading where. You know, we we're spending money on ads every day and just trying to sell products direct to consumer. And it was kind of like in real time watching spend versus revenue coming in and then adjusting the ads and the headlines and the sales page and all that stuff kind of on the fly. So it was very, very, very involved and kind of had to be attached to a computer at all times during the day. And um, yeah, got burnt out, but left that business and then basically was just like, OK, let's let's try to look to do something that's a bit more fulfilling and um, that I don't have to be attached to a computer all day. And I actually, I actually started a podcast called fail on and it was, I did them only in person and it was the least economical, least economical podcast in the world. I spent a bunch of money traveling, interviewing, you know, successful people uh, spending a bunch of money on hotels and flights and Ubers and, and never even having like an idea of how to monetize this. I just, how much money can we spend to do a low grade podcast is kind of what the business model was. And it, uh, I was successful at it in terms of spending a lot of money and not generating any, but had a lot of fun. I uh, got, got to have a ton of good conversations with people, good, good connections, good networking. Um, and honestly, you know, people talk about this a lot, but it's the best way to meet people that you want to connect with right? You have a podcast, they can be a guest. It's uh, you can, you can meet some of the most successful people in the world just by, by starting a podcast. So it was kind of cool in that respect, but I uh, did, yeah, did that for a full year. I think I did 45 episodes on a year 
and um, and then just stopped, found pickleball, and the rest is history. Just burning through money. So you could have just made a podcast. You could have made a podcast on that <laughs> on how to spend money and not make money. Yeah, yeah. solid. I'm really just good at it. <laughs> inverse the inverse thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, but that is cool though that you got like kind of like the un- unexpected outcome, which you said is like networking, which I don't know if it's just me personally or if it's because of COVID or just because I'm an adult, but like networking is not easy. No, it's agreed. And it's kind of, it feels pretty forced a lot of the time, right? So it's like more of an organic way to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not easy. But, you know, in Austin, especially where you're at, there's there's a ton going on and it's a good community of people that are building and creating and starting cool stuff that's such a good point that it feels forced most of the time and if it doesn't like feel forced then how do you make it like not sound sketchy because you're like talking to another guy and you're like yo so like do you want to come over sometime and you know play some video games and (laughs) it's like this sounds so weird and and how and as far as pickleball goes too um what a you know it used to be golf right like you know you meet on the golf course and talk business and now it's Pickleball is such a unique sport to where, you know, there's a lot of high profile business people playing, a lot of business people in general playing, and it's very social. You're in a small court, small area, and it's a great way to connect with other people, which which is actually why um, I'm working with a guy, Alex Diaz, uh, with 321 Sports, and helping him host corporate pickleball events. So kind of on that business front of business meets pickleball. Um yeah, I mean it's a it's a real need and it's a great way to connect different people. Oh, sweet! Can you tell us more about that? We're running corporate events for different companies. For some companies, it's a team building event where we set up basically a three hour thing where it's a you know you get a little intro clinic, you do a round robin, you got a networking hour, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, companies companies like this, they need this. Um, we host events where. There's one company that sponsors it and they want to get in front of their ideal clients. So we actually go out and recruit their ideal clients and basically pull in 15 executives to come to this event. And um, our corporate sponsor gets to gets to be in front of these clients of theirs or ideal clients of theirs. And we do a pickleball event as kind of the medium to where they're able to connect and meet and chat. It's a uh, yeah, new venture going, going well. I mean, um, Alex is selling a lot of sponsorships for it and we got our first event coming up in May in Atlanta right before the PPA. So that's going to get kickstarted here pretty soon. That's badass, dude. I wish when I was like in the business side of things and had to like go to these networking events, I wish pickleball was one of the options. They're just so, they're so weird when you have to like go to a bar where the the music is just like my ears are bleeding and then you have to like drink alcohol to like everyone's kind yeah. of, or everyone's like drinking. Cause they're like, yeah. what else should we do? What else do we do? Right. It's awkward. If you don't awkward, if you do. Yeah. You just kind of stand in there looking around, holding your drink. Who do I talk to? Yeah. It, it's not, it's just not a very comfortable environment to connect. Yeah. And you have that like one drunk coworker who's like trying to take <laughs> shots and trying to like force you to take shots. Like, so weird. You see them the next morning. Um, yeah, that's super cool. What else are you working on outside of pickleball? I feel like a lot of people just see a lot of what's going on in terms of pickleball, but yeah, you are a person you're, you're somewhere behind, behind the paddle. Yeah, no, but everything I am working on is, is pickleball related, which makes it fun, right? Like that's why I got into pickleball in the first place is one, because I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed 
going out and playing. I enjoyed the people, the social aspect. Yeah. So I, I just really love the sport as a whole. And I think, you know, as long as I'm able to work in the sport and help grow the sport and do things with the sport, you know, what, like, even if it's less money than I've made in the past, like, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm getting to meet cool people. I'm getting to have fun making a living. There's yeah. I mean, what more do you, what more do you want? But in terms of what I'm actually doing and working on, so I've got the three, two, one, uh, sports, which is a corporate event stuff. Um, I'm hosting a, I'm hosting a show, kind of a new show called Destination Pickleball, which we were calling Drive, Dink, and Dine, but apparently that's too close to diners, drive-ins, and dives, which is what we actually are kind of modeling the show after. Now it's called Destination Pickleball. We've shot our first couple episodes at Chicken and Pickles. We are shooting, it's basically, yeah, a show that highlights different pickleball venues across the country, um, shows kind of their city, their location, their what's unique about them. We go to the courts, we talk to the owners, the GMs, the local customers, and just find really cool stories um, through the through the sport of pickleball, which is a lot of fun. So really stoked on that, hosting that with Selkirk TV, and with the goal of ideally getting that picked up by a by a network um, would be the goal, and then obviously have the podcast, which is great. And yeah, those are kind of the, the three core things I'm doing, the podcast, the show, and the uh, corporate pickleball events. That's dope. Um, as far as Destination Pickleball, might have some competition there. i doing something very, very similar. Uh, nice. But, but not, I think you're going to capture it in a much different aspect. I'm kind of more coming at it from kind of like a vlogging perspective, but very similar going out to the facilities. The purpose behind mine was more so like if I'm visiting this town and I want to play pickleball, where can I go? And like one of the first places seeing as how you're from Charleston is actually the court that I think they were saying Greg Dow plays at, which is uh, Collins Park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So going to release that at some point, but went there like a couple weeks ago, just visiting my buddy in Charleston. I was like, how can I like, what's the story that I'm telling here? Like if I'm, if I'm on a time crunch and I don't have a car, I want to play pickleball. How can I get some games in? Like basically just, I'm a drug addict. I need to get my fix. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. That's not, yeah. It's not, it's not, not super similar. Uh, cause I'm not going to, I'm just kind of highlighting mostly, mostly indoor venues that have food and beverage. So, you know, think chicken and pickle, think, um, smash park. Um, I think Charleston's got one coming called crush yard or the pickle bar. I'm trying to go to venues like that. They don't have to have food and beverage, but you know, if they don't, we'll, we'll highlight the venue and then we'll kind of highlight food and beverage options that are close to the venue. Just so if somebody's visiting a new city, it's not so much, you know, any place you can play, but like kind of a, a, more, a more structured place you can play and then also grab a bite and grab some food, grab a bite and grab some drinks after. Yeah. But love it, man. Uh-huh. There's, yeah. No competition. The more, the more, the merrier. That's how I always look at it. Right. It's like, you know, we both have podcasts, we both have shows. I mean, we're, you know, what we're both trying to do, right. We're trying to grow the sport. And I think the more people that are highlighting places to play venues, uh, people on podcasts, you know, the better low key. I'm actually just trying to be like you. <laughs> uh, just, just copying, copying or your blueprint. I'm just trying to be like you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you came to the homeland. I haven't moved out to Hawaii yet. Yeah, Crush Yard is going to be like exciting. Um, pit the pickle bar. I spoke to. I just happened to run into this chick. She was at Collins Park. She's a co-founder. I can send you her info after this. But her name's Tina. Um, she's one of the co-founders. Her and her sister. They have some cool shit going on. Love it. Yeah, and just yeah. in terms of like cool shit venue wise, I don't know if you've seen it the the Central Park in New York courts. 
run by city pickle like how cool is that, right? To have, you know, the ice skating rink in Central Park is now converted into pickleball courts. Let's go. Take it over. Dude, it looks badass. And I think it's like 14 courts, although like one of them is pushed up against Pretty tight. such a weird yeah. shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's an um, awkward shape to fit, you know, rectangular courts in, but they, they did it. Yeah. I don't know about the pricing. I hope that doesn't like. Yeah. Well, it's pretty price, pricey, right? It's, it's like 80 to 100 per an hour. hour. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, you get a foursome, 25 bucks for the hour to play. It's not terrible for, we're talking New York City, Central Park. New York. Like pretty cool, pretty cool venue to play. You know, you're playing pickleball in the background. You got Central Park and skyscrapers, pretty iconic, pretty dope. I'd pay 25 bucks an hour for it. Yeah, I'd pay for it like once. And, and honestly, but-, but honestly, like, you know, New York's such a big city, right? You have a handful of courts. The demand's wild in New York. I think, I don't think they're going to have any issue, you know, keeping people on those courts no not at all what like what's the equivalent of like how many people are in new york compared to like like it's basically like a small country yeah i don't know I recent numbers but it's it's bonkers population yeah wise. i've done a lot of stalking right i checked out your yep. linkedin i've also like checked out your twitter and something that stood out to me that i uh definitely appreciate is one you have like a memento mori tattoo which um mm. i don't know if you follow ryan holiday maybe you just got that on your own but uh either way ryan holiday is like a huge influence and idol and then i see like in your twitter you have posts from naval ravikant a dude his perspective on life is very just like eye-opening yeah can you just tell me a little bit more about like how you found them what maybe like what influence they've played on your life yeah no i've i've yeah i followed ryan holiday for a long time love his love his writing great author great thinker right like really i really jive with stoke philosophy so memento mori yeah got that tattoo on my on my forearm last year um along with a morfati on my wrist so two really two of my favorite kind of stoic stoic phrases and memento mori as you know basically is you know marcus aurelius said you could leave life right now let that determine what you do and say and think so you know it's just something i try to it's it for me it's like a daily reminder of of, you know, life's not promised time, time is, you know, going every day. It's our, you know, it's a finite resource and just, yeah, yeah. Be present, slow down, enjoy the time and whatever you are working on, give it your best. So it's kind of, kind of my thought on Memento Mori. And then Amor Fati, you know, had a challenging last year with, with some personal stuff, with health, and, um, you know, Amor Fati to me is basically a love of one's fate. So no matter, it's not just, not just accepting what's happened, not just dealing with what's happened, but actually loving what's happened and, and thinking that like, you know, it's not supposed to be any other way. This is exactly what's supposed to have happened. And I love it and I embrace it and I'm going to use this to move forward. So two, yeah, two really important phrases to me, important enough for me to, you know, have them be my first tattoos and. And uh, yeah, stuff I try to remember daily and try to live by. Yeah, I agree. Like we obviously don't ask in a way for a lot of these issues. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's a personal issue. Maybe it could be like grief or death of a a loved one, right? But while we might not be like voluntarily looking for it, it is like an experience that is beneficial to not like gloss over, not to just rush past. It's like, what am I like gathering from this experience? This is obviously happening to me for a reason always trying to look into like what kind of makes what kind of steers people's decisions 
Um, like I had Chris Dickert from Legacy, and yeah, one of his like phrases is just like bet on yourself. And he talked about his brother's death at the age of like fifteen. It's very like interesting. And yeah, there's founder of Trevile, Aubrey Steele. She like lost her dad, and it's very like different impacts in people's lives. And some of those things that you don't really get to hear about from other people, but to kind of turn it around. <laughs> Is uh is Waffle House still your pre ritual? <laughs> not not as often recently, but I do I do tend to so like breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. So like even before before most tournament days, I will I will try to go somewhere like whether it's a diner or whether it's Waffle House or whether it's somewhere and just I like sitting down, having a cup of coffee in the morning, eating some eggs, and actually having a nice meal before I start the day. Because once the once the tournament day gets going, I don't have I don't have a huge appetite throughout the day. So I try to get my meal in in the morning and then kind of let that, let that hold me over till the day's over. But, Dude, I yeah. agree. Once like the tournament gets going, you have like adrenaline, you have like nerves. And there's also like, I've been to a lot of tournaments where the food isn't great. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, bring like snacks with you? Yeah. I, I typically, I'll typically bring like a bag, you know, I'll get a 10 ounce bag of beef jerky before the start of the tournament and that'll I'll just kind of nibble on that throughout the day. Typically um, I used to do bars and stuff, but like cliff bars, but I think for me, for me, just like kind of the jerky and having some lean protein hold me over is perfect for what I need. Yeah. I and don't then a bunch of, a bunch of energy drinks. I used to not be an if... energy drink person, but now like I played this one tournament in Boca and Celsius was a sponsor, man, they just were giving them out and I would have one before every match basically. And now it's, now I'm just addicted. Greg, I was playing with Greg Dow in that tournament and he didn't realize like I would just grab two before, before we play a match and he would drink one by the end of the day. He was like, he was like, what these have caffeine in them? I didn't even. I thought they were just like electrolyte drinks. I'm like, dude, you've not only do they have caffeine, I think they're 200 milligrams. So you've had seven, you've had 1400 milligrams of caffeine. He's was like, he just playing like lights out? <laughs> he was. He was just like he was definitely jittery and like super amped. But uh, <laughs> I was like, how did you not know by like the second or third one that there's a lot of caffeine in these? It's just Greg Dow being Greg Dow. How'd you, how'd y'all form that partnership? I know that y'all are on the same MLP team, right? Yeah. Same MLP team. Honestly, players have some say in, in construction of some of your MLP teams, just because, you know, GMs coming into the sport don't necessarily know GMs or owners don't necessarily know kind of the player backgrounds, what meshes well together. And, um, Greg sent me this epic pitch before uh before the drafts and hey you'll probably be one of the first guys off the board in the challenger draft i'll probably be one of the last if picked this is why you should pick me he was and then he just went on a roll about how he's a, he's locking down the right side how he has big backhand counters how he doesn't play a lot of mix but he's a mixed beast and how in singles he's you know he hasn't played a lot of singles either but he's probably hayden patrick's level is i think what he said and then the final the kicker which made me which made me chuckle was he's like, and in terms of personality, I would say I'm probably a mix between James Ignatowicz and Austin Gridley. So a big wild card. I was like, I was like, Oh, that's just so perfect. And obviously, you know, if you don't follow pro pickleball, and don't know the pro players. That's, you know, it's, it's tough to understand that. But if you do know a mix between James Ignatowicz and Austin Gridley, that's a, that's a character right there. To compare that with, it's like putting like a yeah. putting like a donut as like a burger bun. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> um, go with that. James Ignatowicz, dude, that guy. 
I've been fucking looking for someone to just play this. Like he, dude, he's not really he's playing a heel card, but he's doing like just such a great job at bringing eyes, attention, bringing like humor. There's a lot of people. There are people in the sport. I won't name any names, but there are people who are doing things behind the scenes that have a lot of like skeletons in their closet. And I'm just like, you've probably heard of this guy. Uh, he was the coach of uh, Kobe Bryant. He was like his mental coach. His thing was that like, there's a lot of professional athletes that try to hide who they are. They hi- try to hide that. Yeah. Uh, they try to hide that dark side. Is like this was a downfall of Tiger Woods. If he had just come out and just been like, "Yo, this is me. I'm gonna keep fucking doing it." Yeah. And but he didn't. He tried to hide it, and it just like he deteriorated in in many aspects. Um, like John Jones is another example. But yeah, it's same with same cool. with Michael Michael Jordan as well. Really, it's like even like DJ Young when he threw that paddle. I was like, dude, that was the best thing you could have done for your career in. in as far as like your personality and no, obviously it's not great for the sport, but in some ways it did create this like controversy. It got his name out there even more. So I think he's an amazing player, but there are a lot of amazing players. What, how are you differentiating? How are you differentiating yourself beyond that? Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. And yeah, I think the thing with James is it's, it's, it's his authentic self, right. To the, to a T like he's not, it's not a persona he's putting on. Um, you can just tell he's very earnest. He's not trying to be anything he's not. He's, you know, he, he can he can say like some of the meanest shit in the world, but then he'll smile and you'll be like, oh, that was actually kind of nice what he said. You know, so he's like one of those guys that, you know, kind of get away with saying anything just because he, you, you know, to the core, to his core that he's not going to hurt a fly. So just very interesting dude. And I think he's, God, I mean, fantastic player, great for the sport. Um, yeah, just just glad he's just glad he's you know where he's at in terms of ability and level, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be a big deal and getting yeah. more eyeballs on the sport for sure. Yep, dude has like a very complete package, and now he's playing with his partner, or yeah, he's playing with his partner Anna Bright, which is also like really cool. You're like, oh, dude, this guy's like talking shit, but he's obviously yeah. wholesome, and his like post interviews are great. Yeah, you make a good point that. He's not trying to be anything that he isn't, but he's also on the flip side of that, not trying to hot, not trying to hide anything that he is, which yeah. I think there are a lot of players are kind of hiding behind kind of hiding or pulling stuff back. And it's like, dude, just let yourself be who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough and it's tough and pro pickleball, right? There's not too many players that will, um, that will say how they feel truly, right? You have a handful. I think James is one of them. I think Leah Jansen, some people love her, some people hate her. And in my opinion, that means she's doing something right uh, because she's, she's unapologetic. She's herself. She'll say what she, she'll say what she feels and what she thinks. And, and yeah, unapologetically, which I respect the hell out of that. So um, it's, it is a tough position to be in, in some cases, right? Because, you know, you rely on a certain tour to pay you, you rely on, you know, different organizing bodies to maybe they sponsor you, whatever it is. And you have to be, you have to mince words sometimes. And I just respect the people that don't. Um, yeah. Leah Jansen representing Austin. And the funny thing is like you played with Julian and you know him personally. It's so funny to see how people react to who he is like on the court and what you're seeing through your screen or what you're seeing live. Cause when you meet the guy in person, you're just like, 
like a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to it, like I took a one-on-one with him and just like listening to his, the way he's instructional and the way he like describes a skill set or a technique or just anything about the game, there could be a fucking camera on the women's doubles court. And then out of nowhere, you just hear like this shouting (laughs) and you're like, that's easily Julian. Yeah. You know that voice. What happened to Austin Gridley? Yeah. I, I actually played a tournament with him at the beginning of the year, APP Punta Gorda and I know at the time he was in the process of leaving Utah. He was living in Utah at the time, but he was leaving Utah and bought a house in Alabama, I believe in Birmingham, and uh, took a job as a director of pickleball out there. So I don't know if he's playing much right now. Last I heard, he was he moved to Alabama and was and got a new job out there. So I love Austin. I think he's a he's a fantastic player, really good player. Just also had had tough issue getting solid partners all the time. But um, unorthodox, great guy, great player. And yeah, hope hope to see him on the tour again. Love to see that unorthodox style. And he was playing, with, interesting. He was playing with a legacy uh, in Punta Gorda and just hammering the ball. Oh, he was? I don't know oh, if he's still okay. playing with it or not, but yeah, he was playing with a legacy. And man, that thing's a rocket off that thing. That's awesome. It's hard to sometimes keep up with APP. For some reason, I don't know if you have any like hot takes on this. It was just odd that the last event they didn't air it on YouTube. Oh, I've got, have a take, a, I've got a take on this. I know why they're. I, yeah, I know why they're not. I don't agree with it to be honest. And I've talked to I've talked to Tom about it. Tom Webb, the APP chief marketing officer, amazing dude, really really great guy, um, very smart in terms of what they're trying to do in terms of bridge the gap between, you know, I think they just did a study where 48 million people have, in, in America have played pickleball at least once over the last year, I believe. Um, and it's a, I mean, it's just a gigantic number of people that have at least tried it. And what the APP wants to do is bridge that gap between that mass market, which is the amateur market and the pro game. Because he's right. If you go to a random public park and ask a couple of random people that are, you know, playing for the third, fourth, fifth time who a pro player is, they'll have no idea. Right. So it's, um, you know, so they have a, they dialed back their budget this year, the APP tour did in terms of, yeah, they just, they didn't want to try to keep up with PPA and MLP and all the money that's going into that. So they're like, okay, we're going to pull back. We're going to try to build a long-term sustainable business. We're not just burning cash and we're going to, yeah, we'll have kind of more limited resources. So we're going to have to figure out the best use for those, you know, the, the best way to use those resources. So they felt that streaming on Thursday, Friday was not, you know, was not beneficial from a cost perspective. So they are putting more into kind of media packages for players and different content and storytelling and that kind of thing to actually try to bridge that gap between pros and the, the mass market amateur pool. That's interesting. And then I was just like, well, why why can't you just throw up like a throw up like a GoPro, uh, throw up five, five GoPros, throw them up on each pro court? Who cares? And the uh, I, I guess the issue is they don't want to show a subpar broadcast product when they're reaching out to you know big sponsors about sponsoring tournaments. They don't want to have that be the product. And uh, you know, understood on some level, but at the same time, um, you know. People, people want to watch, but yeah, his argument for that also is, you know, it's, you know, we're not going after the, the people that are complaining about not getting the live stream on Thursday, Friday are the hardcore pickleball contingent, which is, you know, such a tiny, tiny market of 
you know, the overall market of pickleball and what, what's possible. So they're like, you know, we just, yeah, we're going to piss those people off, but you know, we're hoping to capture the larger audience. That's interesting. Yeah. I would, I would think that if you're trying to get sponsors, that your sponsors would be interested in how you're broadcasting the sport. I guess you could also have alternative is yeah, you can also have sponsors who are just interested in like, how are you going to promote this at just an event? It's like banners and yeah. uh, social media. I, I will say they did put out a trailer. I don't remember what event it was for, but it is very happened very recently where they just like put out this really, really good trailer. It was just like the video editing was great. I think like Alex Strong was the first person shown and they just, yeah, it seemed like they were more purposeful and intentful with a story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. And it didn't seem like it was just another event. As soon as I found out that they weren't broadcasting that event, I was just like, so is that the end of APP or? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting model, man. It's uh, it's going to be, I'll be, man, I'm excited to see how it all plays out in terms of, in ter- like they're definitely not slowing down the APP. Like they're, they're in it for the long game and they're putting resources behind it. They're trying to, you know, get big sponsors on board. They're trying to increase prize money. They're, they're doing it all. It's just a matter of can they sustain while we while you have another tour that has the majority of top players. What is it like just being a pro playing at both those events? As far as like obviously, I won't ask you to talk about the competition because I think that's yeah, it goes without saying. Is there anything else that's different about how these events are run per se? Yeah, I, I think generally speaking. The PPA is more of a production, right? Like the you've got the video board, the you know surrounding the surrounding the court. It's just just more of a high end production. Um, they're they've def- obviously put in more um, resources into making the actual event a, a good experience, uh, and you feel that as a player. The APPs also, you know, they've taken a lot of steps in terms of improving the player experience. You know, they're catering they're catering lunches now, so players are taken care of and have meals at at the venue in the player area. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all getting better for players. And I think, you know, MLP easily does the best job for pro players in terms of player experience. What's MLP doing differently? Uh, MLP just, you feel like, uh, you feel like a pro athlete in terms of you've got all the recovery stuff you need. You've got the leg boots, you've got, um, you know, massage therapists there, you have all your meals catered, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have nice areas in between matches, private areas. That's dope. The catering any Waffle House? I wish, man. Come on. <laughs> Number one complaint on player survey. Why no Waffle House? Why no Waffle House? Come on. Dude, given you've been you've been watching the uh Red Rock Open, right? Yeah. Given your Selkirk sponsored athlete, what were your thoughts on Travis at this point? This will probably come out in like a week, yeah. but Travis Rettenmeyer made a post about his experience playing against Tyson McGuffin. Uh, it was a singles match, and Travis was making uh, comments about how the paddle seemed delaminated. But yeah, I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Another one of those guys and players that, you know, doesn't, not afraid to speak his mind, which I, I respect, you know, kind of on the same front as Leia. Like Travis, if Travis feels something or thinks something, he's going to say it most likely. And, um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised he put it out there, but, um, I saw them talking after them. I watched that match and I saw them talking after I didn't really know what the deal was, but, um, it was interesting. He put that out and 
as as a player, you kind of know if you, they play with the same paddle, right? The O two, you kind of know if something's coming off differently. And and to Travis, it seemed like it was. And yeah, was a little surprised that that he brought it up, especially both being Selkirk players. But yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a big issue right now in pickleball. And um, I think some players are probably doing it intentionally on on some level. I know there's there's definitely been talks about that. Um, all hearsay, of course. I don't have any proof or evidence that players are getting their paddles doctored intentionally, but it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a conversation amongst other pros um, that certain players are doing it, and it needs to be it needs to be corrected somehow because it's not a level playing field. If a ball is coming off ten percent harder off your paddle, and oftentimes with a delaminated paddle, it's it's much more than ten percent. It's a significant difference in terms of deflection it's such a hot topic right now and i actually just got the call before this was with carl schmitz uh mm-hmm. managing director of like equipments and facilities over Love at usa carl. that Thank dude you. is super super knowledgeable been in the sport a uh, long time really respect that guy a lot agreed uh his perspective on like life but also uh he was talking about how the current scanner they had like one or i guess the previous scanner is like kind of the dated one is more like touch-based and then they came out with this optical scanner that it's no touch it's just free of any physical uh, aspects and it's just more like thorough and in-depth so be curious to see like where that goes that's for what that's for deflection inspecting the surface but okay. it'll like it'll like take care of like deflection he was talking about something like something thousands, thousands of yeah like yeah so, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was like it was just like Okay, nerd. Just tell me what what the, what does this mean? Yeah, <laughs> he basically said like there's gonna be like ten thousand points of data that come out of it, and I was yeah, he's very very technical. Um, and it was interesting. He was talking about even um, tools for acoustics as well. Um, yep. And just like yeah, paddle acoustics. Uh, yeah. Because he knows that that's like a concern. It's cool to see someone work on the equipment side and facilities because they kind of go like hand in hand as far as 100%. like the growth of the sport. So that was an interview you did with Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Very, very technical. I'm like drained right now as far as my thinking <laughs> power. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, we're, we're coming up on the hour and just wanted to ask if there's anything that I didn't ask you about, anything that you wanted to touch on. Uh, not so much. Well, I, I suppose so. I've this year I've started a daily newsletter, um, which just kind of goes into behind the scenes of pro life and the life of pro pickleball. So I've written most days this year. I've had a little hiatus a couple times, but um, you can find that at robnunnery.com. It's just a easy little landing page. Throw in your email, and you'll get a daily update from me about you know what's going on in my life and what I'm doing to train and and all of the. All of the stuff behind the scenes. So, kind of like your OnlyFans newsletter. Kind of like my, yeah, but just no, no images. It's all just words. I seduce you with my words. <laughs> Is well, OnlyFans? No, no <laughs> that too. <laughs> Very profitable. <laughs> but just like no photo, no video, but. Uh, it is hilarious. Like how you hear about some people, like yeah, I made like thirteen dollars this month, and you're like, dude, and you showed how much? <laughs> yeah. When I emailed you, it's something said like five sentences or less. Uh, oh yeah, it's kind of my signature. It's just yeah, I think emails emails could be long winded, and I try to keep my emails to five sentences or less, just for brevity's sake. And and I don't yeah, not 
I'm not writing novels to each other. Let's just keep it short. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like thinkers, have you heard of Jason Freed from yeah. Basecamp? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Figured you would be on the same kind of wavelength with him. Cool. Well, dude, uh, I appreciate your time taking this on like super short notice. Um, I don't know if you remember, but my myself and two other buddies took a private lesson with you at Dreamland like two years ago. And you taught us that patented Rob Nunnery, just like off the bounce attack. Uh, so yeah, it's cool to just kind of come around full circle. I do remember because it was, I, I gave maybe uh, two lessons at Dreamland total and that was, that was one of them. <laughs> It's like, I guess I'll do a less sure. Let's do it. Why not? We were complete knuckleheads at the time. We're like, oh my God, dude, Rob Nunnery. And <laughs> it was it was so funny, but it was well worth it. It was awesome. Um, you were like super chill and made for just like a lasting memory. But uh, love it, yeah, man. Yeah, I love, that, you- love that you've transitioned into, into helping grow the sport because it's, uh, yeah, I, I was telling you, the name's, the name's perfect, Building Pickleball. Is I'm a little jealous actually that I'm not using that for something, but I'll let you I'll let you have it. Well done. Yeah, dude. I wish you all the best with the destination pickleball. That sounds awesome. I don't know if there's anything I can do to help. I'll definitely pass over the pickle bar, uh, her contact information. But um, so yeah, for the people listening, like destination pickleball PPA, and also on the APP side, and like keep keep up to date with just. Go out to his news newsletter, robnunnery.com, and check out what's happening behind the scenes, his OnlyFans in a text format, which, <laughs> hey, th- maybe there's a market there. This hey, niche gets, people, gets people going. Yeah. Niche uh, word pickleball market. Good luck. I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, catch Rob at your uh, local Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add? Just uh, how people can find out about you, things like that? Uh, yeah. I would say the, the easiest way is just my newsletter, robnunnery.com. Sign up for that. You'll get an email every day. Feel free to reply to the emails. I, I try to get back to all of them. And um, yeah, that's the easiest way to connect with me. And just really appreciate you having me on, man. It's been fun chatting with you, getting to know you and and uh, yeah, getting helping grow the sport, getting the sport more mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to share that uh, passion with you, man. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Brian.